Yo, 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 everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Great Lakes Sports Podcast. Um, we're a little bit late to get into this video following the week two loss to the Seahawks. Um, life got in the way a little bit, but what a difference a week can make in your hopes and dreams for this team. You know, it's just, it's very devastating. It's tough to see. It's Especially because, you know, if it wasn't for Kadarius Tony, we probably would have lost that first game. So, you know, I, I'm kind of down right now, man. How you feeling? Um, I don't think the play was necessarily bad. I don't think we did a bad job playing. I don't think we did a great job playing. But I don't think we did a horrible job. Um, mostly a couple question marks with injuries, um, bombers in the injury department, and then couple question marks on the coaching calls. We're going to get into all that, but uh, I think we just go ahead and state the obvious. Um, I don't think that the refs blew this game. I think the Lions lost it themselves. However, that being said, the uh, Seattle Sea refs really did us dirty on a couple of plays. Yeah, and you know, first quarter, second quarter, I was thinking to myself saying, you know, these refs are going to completely throw this game and Lions are not going to win. We had dis we had disadvantage after disadvantage, you know, bad roughing the passer calls, just bad calls all around. But you know, that's we can't even blame the refs about this loss, man. There's so many other things in the works that made us lose. It's just the refs was just another thing. Not anything that we're uh, not used to seeing. We saw it in week one, week two. We had a. I would say throughout the game, there was a couple of missed calls, but the two that are notable to me for to mention are the the missed pass interference on Josh Reynolds. Um, I've seen that play get called way too many times in the league not to have that one called. And then late in the game, or it was overtime, last play of the game, and uh, Hutch gets held pretty bad. Even, you know, you're listening to the radio broadcast, Dan Miller says it himself, boy, did, did they really get away with a hold there. I'm not even going to pretend like that's what losses the game. That is far away from what losses this game. Um, pretty disappointing outing, I can't lie. You know, and kind of going back to that holding call, in order for the refs to really – so what happened was Hutch kind of did a swim move, got up through him. He kind of skated right by him. But because there was hardly any separation, the refs just kind of chalked that up as like a bang-bang play. Aiden really needs to get that separation if he wants to get those holding calls because he's never going to get it if he's stuck to the defender like glue. He needs to create that separation. I, You know, we cannot chalk that up to why we lost. Absolutely not. Not at all. And since it's since we're not going to chalk it up as a, why we lost the game, let's just move right on to uh, coaches calls. I wanted to hear what you had to say first about the multiple, multiple Dan's or uh, Campbell's gambles that we saw in uh, week two. You know, the only consistency I saw from him was he was either a way too, way too risky and went for it way too often or B. B, he went the complete opposite of that and was way too conservative and played way too mellow, hint, hint, at the end of the game when we have a minute left and three timeouts and you don't, you use one timeout to kick a field goal. That's absolute bullshit. What are you doing? What are you so doing? My, 
minus that last call uh, at the end of the game to, or not the end of the game, the end of regulation to kick that field goal. What did you think about the uh, fourth down tries that we had? Uh, do you, you support know, those? Do you support those decisions? Not when the field goal's there. Not when we got to have trust that Patterson can kick a forty-five yarder. And if we don't have that trust, we need to get a new field goal kicker. But we need to take we need to take the points. We have to, uh, dude. I don't know about like. The thing is, we knew what we were getting into with Dan Campbell coming into town. Like Dan Campbell's just going to he's a risky guy. And if we're going to praise him for last week's uh, fourth down fake punt on his own 15 yard line, we're going to have to roll with some of these fourth downs. However, the game management at the end of the game needs to get better. He, He hasn't really proven to us. You can argue that against Kansas City towards the end of the game, he had great clock management, made the right calls, made the right plays. But this game, you, you, you go down and try to score. Why even send it to overtime, especially when the NFL rules for overtime are so bizarre? I cannot wait to get rid of that. And I, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that they're getting rid of that uh, that overtime score being the game winner uh, next year. So couldn't come early enough. But again, my thing is with Dan Campbell and going for it, I absolutely love when he goes for it. But you have to be consistent. Don't be this crazy risk taker and go for it on all these fourth and threes on your 48 yard line or whatever. And then just not decide to win the game when you have a minute left and your offense is absolutely cooking and you're heading downfield. Like, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you there. And, you know, the thing is, too, at some point, he needs to realize that he does have to take the points last year. We had no idea what type of team we had. We were a desperate team doing desperate things. That's what you have to do to win. When you're desperate, you got to do desperate actions. Now we're not as desperate. Let's play like a not desperate team for once. You know, I'm all about going for it on the fourth and downs. I really am, but there's a time and place. There is a time and place, and uh, towards the end of that game, when you have two timeouts, 50 seconds left, and you have a chance of making – I mean, you have the tools. David Montgomery goes out, but you still have your receivers. You still have Gibbs. You only have 40 yards to go to the end zone. Use your timeouts. Use the sideline. Get Try to win the game. Like Even if you get down and you don't end up scoring a touchdown, let's say you're on the 10-yard line, then you have a chip shot you can use. You can save your timeout or spike the ball get that that uh overtime uh kick in but like get, take a shot did you hear anything about what he had to say in 97 one today no i didn't what did he say it was a whole lot of instead of like taking the blame which i thought he would he was kind of like defending it a little bit i i don't see any i, I can't defend that call at all but i'm just gonna move past that Lots of, you know, go ahead. Let me just say the one last thing. I, you know, I was definitely the first half of the season last year. I was not a Dan Campbell guy. He definitely, you know, made me a Dan Campbell guy on the way we finished and all off season, you know, I'm invested in him. I'm invested in the things he's doing and to have, and you know, the, the NFL thinks he's a bonehead. Like just the other day, I was listening on the radio. They said that the Lions had the worst coach, and 
like I hate when people say that he's not the worst coach, but when you see him do complete boneheaded stuff like this, you're just like, how can I defend him? You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, dude, like, mm, like just he's do done it. the hard part. Like you with past coaches, you you've seen better play calling, but the team didn't rally behind him. Well, he's now he's got a team that plays for him, but he's not making the right calls. But that's enough about that. Um, we saw some big injuries to this team this week uh you hate to see it we're gonna start with defensive end james houston probably gonna be missing a significant amount of time um even though we only have one sack on the year which is something we'll get to later he's someone that last year really led the team with sacks um especially when you got houston who's getting dumped or i'm sorry you've got uh hutch that's getting double teamed most of the time he's a guy that you can rely on um David Montgomery, he's he's down with a uh, hamstring injury, or I'm sorry, a quad injury. But I think one thing that we learned is Gibbs might be all that in a bag of chips, but when it becomes when it comes to the in between tackles, runs, first down and ten, second down and six, seven, not that guy. He's not a power back. And like, I mean, the Lions knew that going into it. That's why there's so many questions about him being drafted so high. And him, you know, being that type of back that isn't a power back and that isn't going to be in there on a first and 10. And you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't want to get into the we should have drafted Jalen Carter thing right now. But, man, that whole game just had me thinking. I don't know. And then next week, we got to watch B. John play. So I know. I know. So a couple more. Uh, Big V, Mr. Vitae. He got hurt, which was pretty scary. He was out all last year with a back injury, and you saw the face mask of our running back go right into his back, um, went down, didn't move an inch for a while. Yeah, hate to see that. We don't have very much depth at offensive line, so we need every single player out there. And we already have Frank Ragnow, who's day-to-day, playing when he can, and Taylor Decker, who didn't play last week, and we're not sure if we're going to see him this week either. And then the the biggest injury of them all cj gardner johnson out for the season it sounds like with a torn pack yeah that's gonna be a killer man that is horrible um we do have we do have you know uh tracy walker coming in he was a starter for us last year it's not like we are relying on a sixth round pick guy to come in here and take control of this defense but when you're talking about a ball hawk like cj who can read plays before they happen, who has hands like a wide receiver, leads this team in a way that is off the field as well as on the field. He is a huge loss. And uh, for a one-year contract that we were hoping to see if we could, you know, maybe re-sign him again next year, it's a big question mark. We'll see what happens with him. Right. I mean, he... You know, I wouldn't even say like he is like the leader of the team. He's almost like he's like the goon of the team, right? Like he's like the Marcus Smart. Like he's like the he gets into the other players' heads. Dude, that's a this is that's a big one, man. And you know, even last game, seven solo tackles. Like it led the led the defense in tackles. He really did. Um, let's just go right into this uh, as far as like what we saw from the game. Who was playing? Uh, I'd like to start with the offense. Um, maybe let's start with offense. Uh, 
who 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 played well? Who was who caught your eye this week, Jay? Laporta looked like an absolute beauty, man. His his running after the dude, the first guy could. I don't think the first guy ever took Laporta down all game. It was always the second or third guy. Mm-hmm. He made a great move. He saved our asses on a couple third downs. He basically had a whole drive by himself, like took the lines by himself on his back down the field. That was awesome to see. Tight ends are usually a position that rookies struggle to get acclimated to in the NFL. And for him to come in and make a difference pretty much right off the rip is pretty exciting. Um, how about you got anyone else that you want to shout out? Um, you know, the offense, the whole off. Yes, I could shout out a couple people, but to me, the whole offense played pretty well. You know, even Jared Goff's interception. All right, well, he broke Aaron Rodgers' uh, record and was almost. on the verge, almost did, and was on the verge of possibly getting close to Tom Brady. He threw an interception, whatever. He's been a great QB. Offense played great, man. What did we score, 33 points? Uh, 31. 31 to 37 was the final. Um, There's a couple ways to look at that. We had a couple of times that we didn't kick a field goal so if you had two extra field goals you tie that game oh wait no that was from the overtime was 31 31 oh it's just such a heartbreaking game um by the way on that i think it was flipped i think brady was second place on the receptions and then aaron Rodgers was first but still anyway he was like 20 receptions away from getting that my last um, player that I kind of want to shout out is uh Josh Reynolds um yeah man he has continued to step up um, he is every, every bit five foot, whatever he is, but man, he's, he's an impressive player, man. He's stepping up when we need it. He has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of trust with the team. Um, he seems to be one of Goff's uh, first looks, even when, it, even when he used his last look, one of the thing was the second touchdown that, uh, he caught in the game. He was the fourth read and, uh, Goff still found a way to get to him. And it's not very often that quarterbacks get through their fourth read and still find that guy in the end zone. So that was really cool to see for me. Um, yeah, offense played really good minus the turnovers, uh, without those turnovers, you win the game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts there. Uh, especially when your defense didn't come away with a takeaway and they didn't get to the quarterback, uh, without, even without that, all, all, everything put aside, we win the game without the interception and the, the, I'm sorry, the pick six and the fumble. But dude, I, man, we still scored 31 points. We're gonna fumble. We're gonna throw interceptions. We need to be able to win games and have mistakes like that. Because if yeah, we can't no win games when we do, then we're we're gonna be completely like, I mean, just like golf hardly ever throws interceptions. Montgomery averages one and a half fumbles a season like this isn't gonna like it sucks it happened that game and yeah i guess you could say like we we probably would have won if that didn't happen but man can we just can we just switch to the other side of the ball yeah because i think there's no yeah there's nothing else i want to say on the offense let's just go for it dude i can't (laughs) i can't with our defense right now it, that was brutal, especially, okay, explain something to me. Our defensive line, we kept, what, 12 defensive linemen between ends and tackles uh, on our 53-man roster. We have one sack, one sack in two weeks, and it's not even a D lineman. It's Alex Anzalone at linebacker. This is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Dude, not only that, but and this is just because you brought up Alex, but did you see the one of the last plays of the game when Seahawks be- had the ball before overtime? Gino's running around like crazy. He probably had the ball for 30 seconds. He is juking out both of our ends. Hutchinson looked like he had his feet in cement. And the other end, I don't even know. I don't even know where he was, but it was just he was weaving around our ends. And finally, finally, Anzalone, who isn't that fast himself, finally stepped up, rushed right through, left his man and finally tackled Gino. I do. I couldn't believe it, man. Do somebody Hutchinson is the highest picked player on our defense. Number two, we don't have anyone picked higher than him. Someone needs to tell him to step it up. Someone needs to tell him. He doesn't have to be a leader. I get he's young, but someone needs to light a fire under his ass. Zero sacks. His over-under was 14 and a half, and he's sitting at zero. I'm starting to wonder if he didn't look so good in game one because the offensive tackle was already dropping back five yards into the back or into the uh, backfield. So like Hutch looked like he was in every play getting in the quarterback's face, but he wasn't making contact with the tackle until he was basically on the quarterback. He looked horrible this game. I will say I'm not, you know, not hating too bad. He did have a lot of double teams. They're going to be putting obviously the best tackle on him, but. Dude, Between this might be- everybody on the line, we can't get to the quarterback one time, or not even we don't have to get to him for a sack. But if he's going to scramble and get a run out, someone stop this man, please. Two things, real quick. One, I saw a tweet basically saying that Hutchinson had the most pressures right now in the NFL. Well, what do you call a pressure being able to move around the pocket and get a perfectly good ball thrown off to your receiver? Cause that doesn't seem like a lot of, I mean, I guess you could call that pressure, but that doesn't seem like a lot of pressure to me. Yeah, it was bad. I, I still think he's a great player, but he is not off to the start we wanted. And, and then my other thing, man, off of that and line. this is a wild take right now. And I'm, I'm just mad. If he's not going to be able to get quicker and to be able to get around the, a backup tackle and move around, he might need to move to the tackle position himself. He's Whoa. not fast enough to be an end. Oh man. I don't know. I, you had me when you were talking about the deep, like I, he was going against backup offensive tackles, but uh, he's not big enough to try to get inside. I, I think he's in the right spot, but he you needs help this- around him. You watched the Steelers game, right? J- you yep. watched J.J. Watt, and then I don't even know. The other guy just stepped up out of nowhere. Why can't we find guys like that in the draft that just are absolute crazy studs that are ripped six foot six dudes who literally can run around a tackle, that can, that can push a tackle over, that can actually apply the pressure we need? I get that, yeah, no one's helping Hutch out, whatever, whatever, whatever. But man, someone needs to wake that son- that someone needs to wake that boy up quick. Yeah, I, th- I can see if we do make a trade later in the season, it's going to be wide receiver, defensive tackle. There's it needs there's, to be. Yeah, we need help in both of those spots. Um, I wanted to talk about I think the linebackers did a pretty good job, pretty good job in the first couple of quarters. But out of nowhere, fourth quarter comes around. And we were stopping the run the whole game. 
And these linebackers all of a sudden start biting on the play action pass and leave the whole middle of the field wide open every single snap. That needs to get corrected. We're about to record the uh we're about to record our next podcast for the Falcons. And just a quick intro to that. We're playing a three-headed monster when it comes to running backs. We we cannot be biting on the play action like we were in the fourth quarter in this game. Um, the other one, <sighs> Jerry Jacobs is awful, is awful. Let up 12 receptions, like 160 yards and two touchdown passes in this game. He he was lost, like was not anywhere to be found in this game. Um, don't. I'm speechless. This guy is absolutely lost. Aaron Glenn needs to get his boys under control and he needs to get them under control quick because right now, um, right now coaches, I think it was two for 15 in games in September and October in his career. We can't have these slow starts every single year. We have the talent. We don't, we're not, a su- I'm not saying we're a Super Bowl team, but we're better than whatever the hell that was. Again, the score didn't do it justice, but uh, uh, the Seattle Seahawks have our number. That's all I'm going to say. They have our number big time. And if we can't get sacks and the QBs are just going to be able to freely move in the pocket for 15 to 25 seconds, then it doesn't matter how good of pass defense you have. We ain't going to go very far, man. There's no way. If we can't get sacks and we can't actually apply real pressure on the QB, we're done. We are done. It's Dude. what's crazy, I will say, is the first two times, the last two times that we've played Seattle under this regime, they beat us on the ground. And then they come out, only put up 82 rushing yards and beat us in the air badly. And we have all these brand new DBs that we signed to one year contracts where we took in the draft. It just broke my heart. Kind of, let's cover one last thing before we end the segment. Is Aaron Glenn on the hot seat, man? It's going that direction. Um, he was on the hot seat last year, then he wasn't on the hot seat. But our defense, just looking at him on paper from this year to last year, should be so much better. But between the people that we got out of the draft, between the people we got out of free agency, he has tools. Even like having Jack Campbell ride the bench 95% of the game. Okay. It wasn't that much, but still we, we need guys who can make plays who are going to go out there and want, want to play this game to the fullest potential. It seemed like we had a couple guys given up there at the end on defense, like including, especially Jerry, Jerry Jacobs. He was bad from the start, man. And why are we lining him up on DK? Jerry Jacobs on DK Metcalf? Are we crazy? Next game, who do you expect to be in that position? What do you mean? Uh, Elaborate. Uh, Dude, I expect him to completely lose his starting job. Jerry Jacobs. (laughs) I I like the take. We need a man. We need Mosley to come back healthy. And that's the only reason he's out there right now. Once Mosley comes back from his injury, hopefully that gets settled out a little bit more. But I think that's going to wrap up the week two game against the Seahawks. Um, we're going to be coming out here pretty soon with a Atlanta Falcons um, 
projection game. Stay tuned for that because <sighs> at this point, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah, guys, uh, we're going to keep it real on here. We're not going to sugarcoat anything, you know. The team's not paying us or anything, so uh, we get to talk freely. <laughs> Amen to that. But thanks again, everybody. This has been another edition of the Great Lick Sports Podcast, and uh, catch us on the on the next one. Thanks, guys.